<laughs> it is always good to be with you. My name's Don. For some of you that don't know, that I come when Alan doesn't want to be here. And uh, sometimes I come even when he wants to be here, but it's always a joy um, being here at Mountain Park and, and being a part of, of this group of people. It's a part of a larger group of people, which I'm like the state pastor of. It's called the Church of God, which means nothing really to most of you. Um, I always call it kind of non-denominational before non-denominational was cool. Like Jesus is the subject, and that's what we're about. So we have a tribe of churches around here that try to do something, what we can do more together than we can do separately. And I don't know if you realize it now, but this weekend there's 400, over 400 teenagers at the Young Life Camp up in Williams that are having a great time, snow camp up there. And um, it's, it's one of the most exciting things going on right now because as you may have experienced in your life, God gets a hold of teenagers in those kind of settings. And it's snowing and they're, they're having some of the greatest speakers around and great music and fun, all that kind of stuff. So you might be praying because some of your kids are going to be touched by God this weekend and be different because of it. So uh, while they're having fun and snowing, we just get rain and hang out uh, in the parking lot. <laughs> and you're going to be mean in the parking lot. I know how you are when it gets rainy. So it kind of prepares you for the um, freeway that you're about to go on. I've got one of the most exciting scriptures I can think of today. In fact, um, it's, it's in the, in the series of everything's new, something new, God is doing something new. And Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, verse 19, says this. Look, some versions say, behold, which I like even more. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Something interesting happened to me this weekend. There was a meeting going on of a number of people. Um, in fact, Lonnie, many of you know Lonnie. She's, are you here in this service, Lonnie? Lonnie's right over here, former <laughs> staff member here. Was a, part of that meeting came all the way from Fairfax. And um, I, I met yesterday with one of the guys that was part of the meeting. His name's TJ. He was on my staff up in Washington when I pastored there. TJ's this guy who was a great high school and college athlete, track star, football star, um, was, had a good, a lucrative career with Nike up there in the Portland area, and then um, got called into the ministry, started on staff with us up there. Um, if, if the, you know how we sometimes, sometimes, that's easy for me to say, sometimes say, love God and love others, that's, that, that's him. I don't know of anybody that loves God more and loves others any better than TJ. And uh, I, I'm so high on this guy that when I moved down here, I, there was a church that was open and I tried to get him to come pastor it. And he, and he wrestled with God. But he came and he met with him a couple times and everybody thought, TJ, you are the one. And he wrestled and wrestled with God. And finally God said, no, this isn't right. And we said, well, TJ, don't listen to God. Listen to us. You know, come on, get down here. And he goes, no, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be back up in, in, in Washington. So back he went. And within about a month, he found out his job was being dissolved because the guy that followed me was doing a new thing with staff. 
lead pastors are cruel sometimes, but uh, yeah, it's a whole other story. But so his, his, it ended like quickly, and, and he was devastated by the thing. In fact, we, as we were talking, he said, you know what, I just, I felt so devalued, I didn't even know if I was supposed to be in the ministry anymore. And I, and I thought, I, I need to go back to the business world or something. I don't know that anybody will ever want to touch me again because of this. And I mean, he just went through this, and we were kind of crying together. But I said, well, well, well TJ, look where you're at now. And, and I mean, as soon as that dissolved, another opportunity opened up for him in Boise, where he gets experience to do church work, and the pastor's an older guy who's going to retire in a few years, and they're, he, TJ could be the succession to that. And they're kind of, and it's like, can it get any better than that? And we just started laughing about how God works in ways when you think it's all crashing in, how he comes up with his new plan and how much it's better. And he said this, it caught me by surprise. He said this, if, you know, on Facebook, sometimes they have where you put the highlight of your life or whatever. He said, if I had a, a timeline and I was putting the highlight of my life, it would be these words, yet to come, yet to come. He said, Don, what I learned is with God, the best is always yet to come. He said, I had a great athletic career. I had some good ministry years, but I believe it's yet to come. That's going to be the highlight of my life. And I, I sat there, and I'm, I'm kind of tearing up like an old guy. You know, I, I, it doesn't take much to tear me up anymore. I'm, tearing up. I'm so proud of you, TJ. I'm so proud of you that you, you could have gone the other direction. You made it. And then I, I kind of sit back, and I'm going, oh, to be young again. Oh, to be young again. To look at my timeline and say, the best is yet to come. And here's what I didn't expect. The whisper of God that said, Don, that's true for you too. I didn't expect that. God, I'm kind of like, I'm looking like, Retirement soon. God, I, I'm kind of crippled up. God, I'm, I'm tired, actually. And what I didn't want to repeat to anybody in public, so I'll just tell you, I, I'm getting kind of stale. I don't even know that I'm relevant to anything anymore. And that whisper came like this little stick in my side that just all day kept turning and turning and turning. Yet to come. Yet to come. God's not done with you. The best is yet to come. Then I got mad at Alan for giving me this scripture to talk about because I would have never had that roaming around in my mind that God is about doing new things. Aren't you glad? When he, Isaiah, speaks of these words, it, it's in, a, in the context of, of Babylon being uh, over Israel. Israel's in exile to Babylon. It's during the exile time. And they're, they have been in captivity, basically, and they're longing for freedom. And he's basically telling them, you're going to be, liberation is on its way. Let me just give you a prologue of what, what it says. In fact, in verse 14, the Lord says, Isaiah says, this is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, 
For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives of Babylon's. The ships which they take pride in, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wipe them out. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I kinda, I like war movies and, and Walking Dead and that kind of stuff. I would love to see the Babylon's go down their ships, I, but in, in a loving sort of way, you know, but. And then verse 16 says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? He says to these, these guys, you, liberation is on your way. You're going to be free from, from the exile of Babylon. And do you remember the Exodus? And the Hebrew mind is going, yeah, we remember the Exodus. The Red Sea, the chariots, and the Egyptians on their horses going in, they all crash. And they, you know, God likes war movies sometimes too, I think, as you read through the Old Testament. He just wipes out the, the Egyptians, and they're free to head to the promised land. Do you remember that, Israel? Do you remember that? And oftentimes the prophets are going, remember that, please remember that. It's the greatest miracle that ever happened in the Jewish heritage. It still stands today. The Exodus is the greatest thing. Do you remember how God did that? Do you remember how faithful he was? Yeah, we remember that. Well, forget about that. What? Screech, what? Now forget about that. Don't ponder the past. I'm doing a new thing. How ironic. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in the past. We, we learn from the past, but we're not to live in the past. The past is good because we see the faithfulness of God. And there are times we need to be reminded of God's faith. In fact, the Israelites would build altars of this is how God worked and this is how God worked and this is how God worked and this is how God, and they'd, this is a reminder of that. This is how God worked. We, we need those times. But sometimes we, we leave God in the past. This is how he worked, so he'll always work that way. This is what he did, so he'll always do it this way. This is how God is, and, and we've, we've placed him in the box of the past. The past is good to be reminded. In fact, there are, there are prophets that would say, you gotta go back to the word because the Israelites would drift all the time. They'd follow after false gods. They'd follow after idols and they'd bring them back. And when they, when they brought them back to the word of God, they would be cut to the heart and they'd repent and they'd be reformed and there'd be revival and there'd be obedience and, and they'd be on their way again until they started drifting. They'd call them back. You, you gotta go back to, to some basics that generation after generation are true. God's truth, God's word is the same always. Yesterday, today, forever. But be careful, prophet says, that the, the truth that is for today is not always clothed the same way as those who espoused it the first time. The way God worked in the Old Testament was to reach a, a certain need different than the way he worked in the New Testament, which to certain need to different in the 15th century and the 19th century, different than 1950, different in 1990. He works differently. Same truth, same promises, but he's doing a new thing in a different way. I know, I know 
followers of Jesus that haven't had a new thing in their life since, since high school. They went up to youth camp like many of your teenagers are doing, and God touched them, and, and nothing new since then. I know churches that can't get out of 1972. It's, it's the way God did something back then. He's got to do it the same way. And Isaiah says, just be careful. Just be careful of that. Learn from the past. Don't live in the past. Don't be tied to the past. Don't be tied in the past because God's going to do something perhaps that's going to blow completely all your preconceived ideas, all your experience. He's always, if you just look at humanity, he's always doing something different to reach humanity, but just look at who he is. He's the creator God. He doesn't change that creativeness. He's still an originator and he still sees ways to do things and he takes us from point A to point B in a a new way, in a new fashion so that always we could be on tiptoe, on expectancy that in God's grand economy of our life, the best is yet to come. It's just a little bit better just down the road. Just hang in there because he's not done. We think because we feel stale, God's stale. We think because we've plateaued, God's not moving. We, see, we can't see him move, moving and working, so we don't think he is. But he is. I love the Isaiah passage that says, behold, look. It's, it's not just like, uh, have, you, have you ever considered or see, you know, God is doing a new thing. It's behold, it's like, look, up in the sky. The birds playing. No, it's Superman. Look, behold, can't you perceive it? God's doing something. And the, the implication is they don't see it. They don't recognize it. And the implication is they're going to miss it. Now, there's a lot of reasons why we miss God. But here it points back to this interesting thing. Because our, our, our eyes are so focused on the past. Now, some of us focus on the past because it's, 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 our, it's our sinful life, it's wrong choices, it's, it's bad decisions, it's a tough part of life, and we, and we just can't get over that. But, but that's not what he's talking He's talking to the religious people. He's talking to the people of faith who had good stuff happen to them. They just can't get over it. They've got God all boxed up, and they're going to miss it. If in your Christian life you spend more time looking in the rearview mirror than in the windshield, you're going to crash. Churches that spend more time looking in the rearview mirror, how's it going back there? Then in the windshield are going nowhere, maybe in circles. Forget the former things. Not that you don't honor them and learn from them and realize them, but you step back and say, God, if you could do anything yet to come, what's it going to look like? It It cycles all throughout scripture. God was doing a new thing in Isaiah's day. God was doing a new thing in Messiah's day. And the people who missed that were the religious people. Not the prostitutes, not the tax collectors, not the sinners. They flocked to Jesus. It was the religious people who missed out. Why? Because Jesus broke all the molds of their expectations. They didn't think God was going to act in that way. And if he did, and when he did send Messiah, it wasn't going to look like that and do that. It was going to overthrow the enemies, not love our enemies. 
It was going to be so much different, and, and they missed them. The Pharisees, who just drove Jesus crazy at times, were not, were not just this, this horrible group of people that were intent on, on undercutting the kingdom of God. They were, they were a, a very vital sect in the, in the whole Judaistic um, realm. They, they, were, they were there for a reason, because there was this liberal theology going on with the Jews from the, from the guys called the Sadducees. And they didn't believe in miracles anymore. They didn't believe in life after death. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in the spirit realm at all. Nothing new from God. There's no miracles from God. Sadducees, as you've heard, that's, you, that's why they're sad, you see. because they, they, And so the Pharisees came in there and they said, hey, we got to get back to the word of God. We got to get back to the way God works. And they, they brought back the law and they said, you got to focus on the Bible. You got to focus on God's word and the tradition and the remembrance of God, how God worked and, and to, to recognize and discern the difference. And in fact, there are times Jesus agreed with the Pharisees. In Matthew 23, one, he says, do what they teach. Just don't do what they do. I mean, they, they teach the right stuff. They just, they're hypocrites. They don't live it. They're not living it. Here's the interesting thing. They knew their Bible. They knew the law. They knew the doctrine. They, they loved the tradition. They were, they were dead set on, on being as, as, as zealous for God as they could. They knew their Bible. They just didn't recognize God when he stood right in front of them clothed in flesh. They were so much into their religion they missed Jesus. In fact, they said, this guy, this Jesus guy, he must be, be demon-possessed from Beelzebub or Beelzebub, Beelzebub, whatever the guy's name, whatever. I don't even want to know his name. Demon-possessed. Scary is all it is. Dear Jesus is the son of God. How can you, the most religious of all people, miss him? How could you? And I look around at our churches, and we're filled with religious people who miss Jesus. We're filled with people who, who know the law, who love the tradition, whether it's way back tradition or tradition from 10 years ago, just the way we've done things, who expect everyone else to fit in their category and expect even require God to always do what he once did and miss Jesus. Miss the new thing God wants to do. Miss his moving in our lives. I was reading a thing that said, talking about movements. It said, movements start out a little wild and then they, they reach this respect, respectable middle age and then they rejoice in their respectability. And then they relax to the point of a creeping death. And I got to thinking, oh my, how many denominations do I know like that? I may be even in one. How many institutions like that? How many churches like that? How many people? like that remember when you first came to Jesus 
you were a little wild. You were just, you were a little bit out there. You couldn't get enough. Let me understand more about this Bible. I want to be in, can you have, can you have services more than once a week? Can, can we go, where's the small group? Where's the class? Can I teach? Can I serve? What can I do? Is there, is there a mission group? Is there, can I, can I go to Honduras? Can I go to, where, what, what can I do? And then you just get respectable. Like, whew. I mean, you can't live on the edge of wildness all your life. This respect to the point where you rejoice in respectability and you see like, <laughs> Look at those guys. I remember how that was. They're kind of wild in their faith, but they'll, they'll calm down. Don't worry. They'll calm down. And they do. And all of a sudden, we have this layer of respectable, respectability that we rejoice in and to the point where we relax so much that there's a slow, creeping death comes. And some of you are being consumed by this slow, creeping death because all your relationship is on the former thing. God hasn't done a new thing in you in a long, long time. The fresh wind of his spirit has not blown on you. You've, you've decided to stay comfortable and no one pushes you because the flow is just, just, just go with it. We're respectable now. The whole movement of Jesus Christ, the church in our culture today, has just become respectable. When it met in catacombs and they, 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 they fought for the life, it was, it was grown, it was taken over the world, but once it became just part of everyday life, respectable, it, it, the creeping death starts to come upon it. You can go into your spiritual life, you can go into your marriage life, you can go into everything. We start out so with fervor and this wildness in our eyes and we end up with a creeping death if a new thing doesn't start to happen in us. But I remind you, with God, it's the yet to come that he promises. You keep on going. The day of Pentecost, he did something new. He did something new with Isaiah, did something new with the day of Messiah. He did something new with the day of Pentecost where they, Peter stands up and he reads a prophecy of Joel that in the last days, young men will have visions, old men will dream dreams, and he goes through this whole prophecy kind of thing. And, and in the context of that whole thing is he's reminding the fear, God-fearing Jews that have gathered together in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost to worship God, to be there for the great feast, to do the religious thing to do, that they can't understand what's going on because 120 wild-eyed disciples have gathered in this upper room and there was a sound like this tornado that started to shake the place and there was fire that started to come down from heaven and it landed on everybody's head and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came on these guys and they spoke in languages that they didn't even understand and they burst from this place where they once hid in fear out into the very streets of Jerusalem where these thousands of people are gathered and they started to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ and everyone who heard, heard in their own language. And I love in, in Acts, the second chapter, as they try to get their, their mind around this thing, they can't quite understand it. Verse six says, they heard the sound and the crowd were, were bewildered. Verse seven, they are utterly amazed. Verse eight, how is it that each of us here in our own native language. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed. Verse 13, some, however, made fun. They said, these guys had too much wine. They're drunk. 
Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain. Listen carefully. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he repeats, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on the people. Your daughters will prophesy. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men have visions, old men dreams. He said, you of all people, you are God-fearing Jews. You know the law. You know the prophecy. You've studied it in synagogue. You are here because you're following God to come to the Feast of Pentecost. And all I want to tell you is God's doing a new thing and you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. This, the prophecy of Joel, is that what you see and experience. But you don't think God works that way and you're going to miss it. God started adding daily to those who are being saved through Jesus Christ and the church was ushered into a new, because God was doing a new thing. It wasn't long later on that he started doing a new thing in the apostolic church, the, the New Testament church, when all of a sudden the Jews were thinking, hey, this is a pretty good thing, but now these Gentiles are coming to Christ. What are we gonna do with them? Oh no, they're gonna ruin everything. Well, this is pretty easy. We, those, those Gentiles need to keep dietary laws like we do. They need to... Uh, they need to um, keep all the feasts and all the traditions, and they need to be circumcised. And then they can join our church. How would you like to go to a newcomer's class like that? <laughs> You're welcome if you have those three things. And Paul's going, what? And even Peter, and finally Peter has this vision of God unfolding all this food, all, these, all this, this game, some of it that beasts that were that were don't touch them don't eat them and and, and god says to, to peter what i've made is clean you can eat don't call unclean what i've made is clean and he's like whoa you know we're wrong here we don't need to make them jews when they come to christ that he's doing something new and that we are all there's not two separate there's not jew and gentile but there's only one in christ and the Bible says there were these guys called the Judaizers that just couldn't get their mind around it. And they fought and fought and fought. So even Peter stumbled on this again, even after he had the vision. And Barnabas, who was known as the encourager, stumbled on the thing. Finally, Peter said, you know what? I, I've watched the Holy Spirit fall on these Gentiles the same way he fell on us. God's doing a new thing with them. And they still couldn't quite get a hold of it until Paul said, I'm going to not make the center of the church Jerusalem like it once was. We're going to Antioch. And from Antioch, we'll reach the world of Gentiles. And we are believers in Jesus Christ because Paul had the courage to step out on the new thing God was doing and reach the world. He's done a new thing in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, all through church history, revival, reformation, Awakening, reawakening, fresh waves of God's spirit, fresh ways of him doing things, fresh ways of him changing, always upsetting the religious people, every time upsetting the religious people. It's not the illiterate and the spiritual laziness, lazy people who miss God. It's the religious people who miss this newness of God because we've just boxed him up. We've made excuses. He's worked in our life once, that's enough. God's doing a new thing. 
and the best is yet to come. Let me just uh, tell you how, how I responded personally. I don't know if you want to respond this way or not when God started turning the screws on me <laughs> with this yet to come stuff. I said, you know, God, if, if you're really doing a new thing, it just happens he's all end up with D's because I'm a preacher and that's how we do, you know, with alliteration kind of thing. I, I need a new determination in my life. If, you're, if you want to do a new thing, if the best is yet to come, I need a new determination in my life to your calling. What you called me to do so many years ago, I needed, I needed a fresh determination. From my side of the, of the thing, I, I've got to admit it's easier to coast. I've got to admit, I have a tendency to grow stale. I've got to admit that there's this dryness. I've got to admit that I, I, it'd be easy for me just to coast to the end. And I want to, I want to be determined that words like enthusiasm and expectancy and joy come in my life, that if you want to do a new thing in me, so that indeed at my age, that, the, that yet to come is the highlight of my life, I'm signing up for that right now. I'm all for it. I'm, I'm there with you. I know what you're calling me to. I know what you've called me to. I'm determined I'm going to my grave with the expectancy of you doing better and more things in me than you've ever done. I don't know what your calling is. Maybe it's simply to be a good husband or a good wife. Maybe it's your marriage. And you're going, yeah, we've, we've just grown stale in our marriage. We've grown tired. You don't know all we've been through. We've gone to counseling and counseling. In fact, I don't, I don't know that we're going to make it. And I would tell you, yeah, you, you probably won't. You've, Thank you for trying all that kind of stuff. Thank you for doing everything. Thank you for your faithfulness that you've already had. Yeah, your marriage probably won't make it. Except God can do a new thing. I believe that. I believe that. I believe because God can do a new thing, the best is yet to come for you. If you'll try that. If you'll jump in full bore both feet in, both of you. That marriage can make it. Yet to come is the highlight of your marriage. It may be a great marriage. It may be as good as a marriage can get. Yet to come is still going to be the highlight because God does new things. You might say, oh, my family, my, my children. I mean, I pray for my kids. My kids are they're off on this, they're tangent. They're making horrible choices. They're doing, I, I don't know that they'll ever come to God. I, I, I just want to give, I'm so disappointed and I'm so discouraged. I don't, yeah, I, I'd give up on your kids. There ain't no hope for them in this culture. <laughs> Except for God does a new thing. And that's his promise. Seth, for them, the highlight of their life is still yet to come. Their highlight of their faith is still yet to come. Be determined that in your situation yet to come is the description of your highlight. Maybe it's your involvement in this church. 
You know, maybe you've been here from back in the, in the junior high days or back in the days when it met at Mountain Point and you're like, man, we've been at this task for so long and we're getting kind of tired and now we got to go into a new building and all that. I, just, I would just tell you this about Mountain Park. The best is yet to come. I mean, I've been through your past. I've been through a lot of it. I've, I've walked alongside this church from a distance and sometimes pretty close. And I'll still tell you this. Yet to come is going to be the highlight of this, this timeline that you're dealing with. You, know, you can't even imagine what's going to happen when you get in that new building. You can't even imagine the impact that this, this community is going to have. It's, it's going to take you with the freshness of God in your life to continue to be the church that's been called to be. That this whole ADOT plan was, is not a surprise to God. He, he knows all about the stages he's taking you as a church. The best is yet to come. Determination to that call. Secondly, a discipline. A new discipline in my life. Um, when, I, when I'm down, when I'm tired, when I'm stale, when I'm fatigued, when I'm not whatever, it, I'm, I'm lacking discipline in a lot of different ways. And I need to renew discipline. I need to eat better. I need to exercise as best I can. But I want to get into the spiritual thing. When I'm out of the word, I, I'm, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. When I'm not plugged in in prayer to, to God, uh, and, and it'll be one thing, do a new thing, God, do a new thing. I, I need to discipline myself that the, the thing, when he wants to do in me, he, he does it through those spiritual disciplines in my life. What I noticed was he spoke to me so clearly, sitting in Chompy's restaurant with TJ, this is for you, this is not just for TJ, yet to come is for you. That was because I had poured over this scripture for, for days and days and days and days. God, you're doing a new thing, you're doing a new thing, you're doing a new thing. What do I get to tell everybody about your new thing? Well, why don't you look in the mirror because I'm doing a new thing in you. That comes from the discipline of the word. And unless you're ruminating in God's word, he can't speak to you as clearly. Discipline with that. Thirdly, I'm going to be more daring. A new, a new daring in my life. If God's doing a new thing, I'm going to dare again. I sat with a guy the other day. We were talking about planting churches. One of the daring things I want to do in our, in our circle of churches is in the next couple of years, I want us to plant a couple new churches. And you're going, why do we need a new church? It's not that we need a new church. It's the kind of church that we need. Mountain Park is here because somebody dreamed about this kind of church years ago. And these kind of churches, the churches that are, that are open to God's new thing, where, where they're not just form, former things only and looking at the past, but they're moving on, they're making an input in a, and, they're, and they're making a difference in the communities. And I was talking to somebody about, about kind of what I'd like to do, and he finally looked at me and said, what are, Don, what are you scared of? What are you scared of? And I, I, was, I was upset at first. Let me tell you, I've planted a church. I've done, I'm, I'm, I'm going on with all these things. I've laid it all out. And, and, but what are you scared of? I'm afraid to dare anymore. I mean, does, does God not do the impossible? Does, not God, does God not do miracles anymore? As, as it is your faith, as, unto your faith, so be it. If, if you have enough faith for it, if you step out, I want to dare. I might fail. We might fail. You might fail. But I want to go out on the, on the limb where the fruit is. I want to I be on the edge of what God is wanting to do. That maybe I missed it. 
Maybe he's looking at me and goes, okay, Don, when this is all over, go sit in the den for a while and watch TV. But I just think he wants to do a new thing in me and through me. And I just think probably through you as well. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Behold, do you see it? Can you perceive it? Not that God's going to do a new thing. God is doing a new thing. And it's us, people of faith, religious people. We are the ones who just might miss it. Behold. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you... Uh, you are never done with your people, with your church. You are hungry for us to believe in you, to follow you, to walk in your spirit, to walk with your spirit. And you are hungry to make newness out of oldness. Lord Jesus, there are people here today that I pray in the same way that your spirit stirred me and disturbed me, the same way that you told me that the best is yet to come. That you would lay that message so deep within them that, that it would be like a blanket as they walk out of here. That the highlight of their life is yet to come through Jesus Christ. So whether it's renewing our commitment to you, whether it's renewing our commitment to one another and to the church, it's all a part, it's all about your calling to us that you are alive, you are working. Work in us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.